there are whole studies dedicated to defending the person of God. By that, I mean you have people who study nothing more than trying to explain why God is the way he is. My question is, is this necessary? Does God need to be defended? And that's our musing for today. And do you find yourself in a conversation, if you converse about God, about Christ, how often do you find yourself in a conversation with someone who clearly doesn't like God? Okay. And just think about it, somebody who just doesn't like God, whether they consider themselves to be Christian or not. Just think about how often um, do you find yourself in that situation where you're having a conversation with somebody who simply does not like God? Um it seems to be quite frequent, um, especially if you you know do the work of an ambassador and speak to people who don't claim Christ. Um, now, it's not limited to them because many Christians, or at least those who do claim Christ, uh, will also speak of their you know problems with the ways of God just as much. Some even more um, who claim Christ will speak um, <clears throat> just as openly about the issues they have with God, with the way God is. So the thought process, how do we go about defending God or, or even do we even need to go about defending God? Um, because, I mean, honestly, the, the first issue I see is how do you or how would you go about defending someone who's perfect? Now, just muse on that thought for a moment. How do you defend? How do you start? defending somebody who's actually and absolutely perfect because if God is perfect as we know the definition of the word to be without flaw uh, without error without mistake in his person and that trickling down into everything he does if he's perfect it would seem as though any issue with him wouldn't be on his part but on the part of the one who has the issue with him I mean that would seem to be common sense if he's perfect and you have a problem with him or his ways, then it would seem simply that the problem is with you and not with him uh, at all. So, and I guess, I mean, for me, I'm giving away my view uh, because I, I do feel that there really is no need to defend God. I mean, we'll talk more about it, but generally speaking, him being perfect, I find it difficult to really defend God in the way that you may defend your own views on something that perhaps is controversial or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, having to or feeling the need to defend God to people, uh, I don't know, it just seems to me sort of, of unnecessary. Now, there is a distinction we have to make uh, because you have the practice of apologetics and then you have just um, defending, you know, uh, 
and apologetics is trying to explain God and the way he is. That's the actual um, definition of an apologetics ministry. That would be a ministry or a person, whatever, who is trying to honestly explain God as opposed to just um, defend, like to um, take his side, you know, uh, against someone who is trying to bully the thought process. No, an apologetics would honestly be to explain God and definitely not speaking against that. That's simply what we do when we try to explain God and his ways to someone who does not know and actually believe that's uh, something biblical to do. Uh, but then you have defending. Um, and this is in the sense of trying to uh, defend. Once you say you do the apologetics and this is how God is, this is who the Bible teaches, this is what God teaches us about himself. And then you move from that to and now I have to defend the way he is. That's what I'm putting into question. This is how God is. And for what we know in scripture, this is why the way he is. Now, let me defend it. Let me tell you why that doesn't make him a bad, you know, guy. OK, so, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, what that thought process is. Let me argue in gospel. Let me try to convince you he has your best interest at heart um, or almost outright say so, outright say I'm sorry. Because that's what some people in defense of God end up doing, just saying, I'm sorry for the way God is. OK, um, so apologetics and true apologetics, not the type of apology where you say I'm sorry, but true apologetics uh, explaining something that can be useful. Whereas defense can almost make it seem like you're saying I'm sorry for God, you know, <laughs> but this is the way he is. That's what I'm putting into question. Um, do I need to say, I'm sorry that God is like this, you know, but that's the way he is. That That's what I'm that's what I'm um, talking about now is that feeling, the feeling that oftentimes people will try to force you to have about some of the ways of God. I'm sorry, but God is like this. That's what I'm calling into question. What causes us just considering that thought process? What causes us to even feel the need? to apologize for God. Just just think about that. I mean, if, if ever being pressed to that point, you know, if you've ever been put to the point, um, and hopefully not honestly, you know, you've never been made to feel like you have to say, I'm sorry for the way God is. But if we ever do go to that point, um, or if you know somebody who's at that point where maybe they ask you, what would you say in this situation? Because they're embarrassed. Um, perhaps of the simple truth of how God is or what God has said, what brings a person, whether it's you or somebody else, what brings us to that point where we feel the need to say, I'm sorry for how God is or who God is. So just a few of those on that. I mean, one, I think an issue can be we have some problems in ourselves with the person of God. And now, again, hopefully in these musings, uh, word, I want you to be honest with these thoughts. You can't grow in the faith or in spirituality or even in understanding and submission to God if you're not honest with yourself. So, I mean, hopefully in considering these things, we can, you know, be honest. So sometimes the need to say, I'm sorry for the way God is, has to do with you and your own issues with the person of God. Uh, with the way God is. Um, so that's just one thought. What, what can make me, what can make someone feel the need to say, I'm sorry for the way God is? 
a lot of times I don't like this or that thing about God. Now, there's reason for that. And actually, let's go to an, another thought about, about it. And I hope this can explain it some. Um, but just like with with many other, you know, things, an issue with God can come from also a love of the world. OK, and I mean, just scripture for that. Very simple. You know, you look at James 4, 4 and actually I'll, I'll read it. But it says adulterers and adulteresses. Um, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. A lot of key things there. You make yourself an enemy of God if you want to befriend the world. So right there, somebody can have a problem with God simply because of how they love the world. And God is saying, I'm going to destroy it. Uh, the ways of the world are against me. Um, that the God of this world is against me. We see those truths. And then if a person is in love with that world that God is saying he hates, now we have uh, that enmity. Now, what's enmity? And the best definition I have, um, just from looking the word up biblically, um, because to me, this kind of really gives a good explanation of what enmity does. So it says, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. Okay. And that is done because the friendship with the world is enmity with God. So look at this definition of enmity is real simple, a reason for opposition. So just look at that. So just break that word down and read it that way. Do you not know what that friendship with the world gives you a reason to oppose God? Now just pause right there because I mean, if you ever wonder why the Bible speaks so much against worldliness or, or or speaks against the saints having a worldly mentality or needing to change our minds. Is that not enough of an explanation that we find there in James 4, 4? Um, don't you know, he's saying that friendship with the world gives you a reason to oppose God. Now, why is that? How can you make such a broad claim? Because the things of the world are completely opposed to contrary to the things of God. There is no mixing with them. This system that we currently live in um, is created by the devil. That's who this system is. The things of this world, the things that we love. And I mean, there's so many scriptures that talk about this. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, everything that we see of this world, how the world works, not creation itself, but how the world works is not of God. Okay. The, the, the powers and principalities, the rulers of the, whatever it is, it's not of God. It is not run the things of this world by those who are seeking the kingdom of God first. So if Christ tells us to seek God's kingdom first in Matthew six, and the world is saying, no, build your own kingdom or seek this other person's kingdom or seek the kingdom of say, whatever it may be, then we know there's going to be opposition. So when some people feel as though, okay, I have a problem with God, or you feel as though, man, I hate the way God is, you have to understand a lot of times it comes from a love of the world. It comes because something about what God is telling you goes against something that the world is telling you that you've bought into. Now think about that with, with, with your conversations with people um, saints or otherwise who have an issue with God, I say more times than not, it's because a love that they have of the world or a friendship they have with the world is causing them 
to oppose God. You look at that and say, man, how important is James chapter four, verse four, because it teaches you something about yourself and about people who have a problem with God and enmity has been created. And here's the thing, because you've chosen that friendship that has created this opposition, you know, to God. Now you've made yourself God's enemy. That's important because you have to understand it's your choice. It's not that God wanted you for his enemy. If so, why would he have sent Christ into the world? If he wanted you for your enemy, I mean, that just he can just do it. You know, why, why the gift if that's what he wanted? No, it's your choice. And by your choice, you're saying, well, I like this world thing. And now I have a problem with God because it's against what he wants. And now also, I mean, you know, uh, another thought process about why why we would feel the need to apologize for God. Um, a lot of times it comes from a lack of knowledge, uh, not really knowing or understanding uh, who God is and why he is the way he is. That that very often uh, creates sort of that, you know, reason to apologize because I don't understand why God would X. Why, why is God so serious about this or that? See, that's a lack of knowledge. And sometimes that's the fault of the person. Are you trying to understand God? Because the Bible says if you draw close to him, then in return, he'll also draw close to you. So are you trying to understand God? Because a lot of times it's a simple lack of knowledge. Um, I have no idea why God with this or that. And sometimes it's even a lack of knowledge because you've been taught poorly. Um, about whatever it may be. Uh, maybe it's a, a life thing, you know, or somebody told you that, well, the Bible says this or that about this or that thing. Um, and they could be wrong or they could be right. I mean, either way, a lack of knowledge a lot of times creates that. I know so many people who think they hate God and what they really hate is people who have misused Christianity. I know so many people like that who've never even encountered God, but think they hate God because they hate corrupt religion which actually is a good thing to hate corrupt religion, but they think they hate God. That's a lack of knowledge. You know, that's somebody who has misplaced their understanding. And because of some corrupt pastor or some hypocritical Christian, um, they think that it's God that they hate. I mean, you know, how could you say this or that or say God is this way, but you live like that. And then the person, instead of saying, cause I've made mistakes, goes on to try to defend themselves. And now that person saying, see, that's my problem with God. That's a lack of knowledge. They don't even know God. Okay. All they know is this corrupt individual. And saints, that's why we're called to be lights in the world, because we should be those saints that do represent God, um, that we represent Christ and the kingdom of God in truth, not just ourselves. Um, so, yeah, a lot of times we feel the need to or those who do feel the need to apologize or say sorry for the way God is because we simply don't know God enough. The hope would be that when we get to know God, we can absolutely um, represent his kingdom without apology, without feeling the need to say, I hate this part, but and the Bible does say it. So yeah, it's just how it's got to be. Got to be. That's not a place where we want to be. And, and anything that we know uh, stands for Christ or anything that represents his kingdom, the kingdom of God we should defend 100% with no apology, with no I'm sorry, because we should believe in the truth of it, in the righteousness of it. If we don't, maybe we need to know God more. So, I mean, you know, it's so many things we can look at, but 
if you know okay you can say it displeases god when you know we lie or fornicate or whatever okay but when you have a lack of knowledge now you might say i have no clue why doesn't make sense to me he just doesn't like it now if i feel that way i suddenly have an urge to say sorry for god being you know a prude a spoiler sport right if i say it, it apparently it displeases god when we lie or when we're covetous, when we want something that, you know, we don't need or when we're, we're envious or whatever it is, you know, when we love money or, you know, all these awesome things right in the flesh. For some reason, these things upset God. So, yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, that's just God being, you know, old and out of touch. Right. I mean, that's that's just an example of, um, you know, when we don't have that understanding of why would God say this? Okay, so when we don't understand uh, God's purity, okay, or his justice, um, or, or even who the author of wickedness and disobedience and evil is, um, this can make us have sort of an um, animosity towards God. As, you know, scripture tells us you can't serve two masters because you're in the end going to favor one over the other. So when I really don't understand why God would say, hey, don't fornicate you know, or don't lie or don't partake in filthy communication, um, you know, or whatever it is. Don't be covetous. Don't be idolatrous. Put your mind on the things above, not on things of this, of this earth. When he says that and I don't have understanding, it can cause me to say, I don't get it, but this is what he says. Do your best. It doesn't matter. He knows it's not realistic. Don't you hate when people say that, <laughs> you know, what I mean? when people try to make those are completely heartless excuses. Yeah, the Bible said these things, but not so you can do it, just so you know you can try your best. Well, that's foolish. Um, that's foolish talk. Um, that's defeatist talk. There is so, I mean, the Bible tells us these things and how to do them because we're expected to do them. Not to say we'll do them perfectly all the time, but definitely with the Spirit of God in us, we can do these things. We can live as we're supposed to. But so often we see these things that we love in the flesh and then we'll say, man, I'm so sorry about this for you. As a Christian, you know, you can't do that. With sort of an I'm sorry, God is that way. Well, that shows a lack of knowledge, because the more I know God, the more I say with boldness, not only are we told not to do that, but why would you want to? If we know the truth of God, if we live within the truth of God, why would you even want to do that stuff? So then, I mean, there are other times where uh, the feeling of a need to defend God comes from this weird desire to please men and this is a weird one to me i guess it depends on what type of person you are but there's this weird desire to be a people pleaser and honestly this affects a lot of people who desire or who have the urge or feel the need to say sorry to god because they know this is going to upset somebody and i gotta say i side with paul um when in galatians paul says actually let me pull that up because in galatians paul is like i mean who who should I please? I mean, how crazy? Let me, let me read it. Galatians chapter one, verse 10. It says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be the uh, bond servant of Christ. I love that thought process. You know, he's like, who am I trying to please here? Because if I do, if I am trying to please people, then I shouldn't be the servant of Christ. I can't do it. Just as Christ couldn't please people and God. So Paul is saying, I can't please Christ and you if you're contrary. So think of how um, 
hard it would be for one of the saints to try to live as an ambassador while at the same time trying to please men. You can't do it. And some people feel the need to apologize for God because they're trying to please people. Even if they believe God is right or true, they have this weird desire to make sure you're not mad at them or you're not offended at all in any way. Well, Paul says, I can't do it. I mean, go back to, up to verse nine in Galatians one, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's somebody who, look, I can apologize for the truth. This is what it is. If it uh, hurts your feelings or whatever it may be, there's nothing I can do about that. This is simply the truth of God. So to feel the need to apologize for the way God is just for the sake of pleasing men. I mean, that's that's a bad place to be. And that's something we will want to grow out of. It's fine to be concerned with people's feelings, but not to the extent where you villainize God or where you can't even tell them the absolute truth because I don't want to. This would hurt your feelings. OK, so I'm going to let you be uh, separate from God. And let you have to pay for your own sin, which you can't do adequately. So I'm going to let you uh, place yourself in hell because I just can't hurt your feelings here on earth. I mean, that's not a place where we want to be. We can't serve God that way. I mean, that kind of leads to a, another thought process um, about, you know, the need to apologize for God. Coming off of that last one, being a people pleaser, sometimes people are actually embarrassed by God. Now, again, this is someone who does believe that God is right, but simply find themselves to be embarrassed by who God is. Now, that I say is just, you know, embarrassing in itself, you know, to find yourself um, ashamed uh, because, I mean, that's part of embarrassment, right? So to find yourself ashamed to speak of who God is because how God is, not just because you're shy or anything like that, but to actually be embarrassed by who God is, I mean, it's a very unfortunate thing. Uh, but for a lot of people, as they see the desire to fit in with their culture or even the society as a whole, uh, sometimes the ways of God can seem out of touch, antiquated, um, whatever it might be. And again, with this, there's something to remember if you find yourself with that problem. And again, be truthful with yourself uh, so you can grow and understand um, your weaknesses, what you need to grow, whatever it is. One thing we have to remember is this. As far as culture, society goes versus God, there's one side that is perfect and that has always been perfect. And there's other side that is not perfect. And it proves its imperfection in the fact that it changes time and again. From generation to generation, culture changes, society changes, proving it's not perfect. Whereas God is the same as he has always been because he is perfect. So if I consider that, why would I allow myself to be embarrassed by the perfect one? It makes no sense. I mean, if anything, if I'm going to be embarrassed about something, it should be how quickly my society changes. For selfish reasons, for foolish reasons, uh, for reasons that they haven't even thought out all the way or how my culture has changed or what my culture loves and worships. And I should never be embarrassed by the perfect one. And, yeah, think on that for a minute. How crazy is it for me to be embarrassed because God said this in an age where people don't talk like that anymore? Sorry, God, but we don't believe like that anymore. 
Sorry, God, but we think differently. We don't handle things like that anymore. Imagine that. Now, God is perfect. He's always been perfect. He's always shown himself to be perfect without mistake, without error. People are the exact opposite. People are not only completely fallible, but prove again and again that they are imperfect. And I'll say we. We prove again and again that we are so far from being perfect when compared to God or even each other. So we have that reason. You know, why do I feel the need to say I'm sorry if you have to look at it for yourself? What what are my issues? Well, that's just one. That's just one. I'm in, and I mean, be honest with yourself. I'm embarrassed because culturally speaking, um, if I'm putting God first, this just isn't as big of a deal to me because I represent the kingdom of God. Societally speaking, I really just can't, you know, I, I can't side with that or I can't do that because God wouldn't have me to. And what he says actually matters. We should never be ashamed or embarrassed by God who is perfect without error throughout all generations so with that i mean there's a bottom line we should never seek to defend god for the sake of men and by defend i mean say i'm sorry for the way god is we should never seek to defend god because of people because of what people want and because of what you know what people don't want to hear to do to believe to see We should never feel the need to apologize for the way God is because of people or feel the need to apologize for who God is. That's one thing you won't find in scripture is somebody apologizing on behalf of God, because how uh, could the perfect, holy, but also sovereign God need you to say sorry on his behalf? Sovereign is nobody's over him. He is the God of everything. I mean, if we really believe that, how in the world could I feel the need to say I'm sorry on his behalf? Sorry, but yeah, the all-powerful, sovereign, perfect God said this, and I'm sorry for it. But see, my next thought process behind this is honestly my favorite, okay? Because it goes to who you really believe God is or what you actually believe about God. If God is God, who can judge him anyway? Now, that's when we're just very basic, okay? Why? I mean... even if I felt sorry about the way he is or or you just don't if I tell you something and this thing is just going to drive you away from God. OK, because it's something personal, something about your life or somebody you you've loved and they're gone and whatever it may be, you know, this will really uh, make that person look a certain way or make you look a certain. It doesn't matter if he is God and this is what he said. What are you going to do about it? Okay, so even if somebody doesn't like the way God is, so what? And just think about that. I mean, and go as as far as you want as that thought process goes. So what? What are you going to do? I mean, if I tell you something about God right now that just makes you just irate and completely, I could never serve a God who I'm sure. I mean, if you talk to people about Christ, you've heard that before. Oh, I could never believe in a God who and then they fill it in with whatever foolishness there is. I mean, I know it may sound harsh, but the bottom line to that conversation is, well, so what? (laughs) I mean, it's like it doesn't change because you could never accept a God like that. If that is who he is, he's not asking you to accept him from that point of view. He's asking you to accept Christ that you might be saved, that he might deliver you from your sin. But he's not begging you to friend him. You know, he's not begging you, please like me for the way I am. God's not saying that he's God. You can't judge him because you have no power there. So you can't judge him. And even if you don't like something about him, who I mean, so what? 
and who cares because there's nothing you can do about it. So I mean, just think of that thought process. And however that may sound, it's simply true. How can I apologize for God if I believe he's capital G-O-D? How can I apologize for him if he believes he's right, then he's right. That just comes with the title. So why am I here saying sorry and oh God? No, what I need to be saying is, look, you need to fall in line because this is who God is. This is what he wants, period. Christ is the way. I don't, I mean, if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry, but Christ is the way. And look, I just said, I'm sorry. It's false habit, right? Because I mean, we shouldn't be sorry. Christ is the way and thank God. That's what it should be because he made a perfect way that we might be saved and reconciled to him is so much more than heaven, right? That we might be saved and reconciled and become a part of the kingdom of God. Christ did all this. Matter of fact, I'm not sorry. This is God. So that's the bottom line. I mean, if if God, this is like this is to me one of the bigger arguments, because for whatever other reason, I may say I don't need to defend God. The bottom line is he's God. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing you can do when he moves. OK, there's nothing that can be done. This is God. If you don't like the way that sounds, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. This is God. I love it, honestly. I mean, I would hate to have a God who changes with the times because, I mean, woe to the people who came before us, right? And I mean, you look at how fickle culture is and people are and how fallible people are, how, many, how much people make mistakes, how selfish people are, um, how, you know, senseless our desires are. And we want God to follow us. When yesterday we believe that and today we believe this and he's supposed to change with us. That's not God. That's a fool. Thank God he's not that way. See, so God's ways are not based on our pleasure or our understanding. And we're reminded that in Romans that in Romans. Let me pull this one up because we're reminded that chapter 11. But we're reminded that, yeah, God does not base what he does on who we are. Okay. Who's known the mind of the Lord. Let's read it. Uh, Romans 11. Uh, I'll start at 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Already. That's awesome. How, how deep is it? You know, and read the whole chapter when you get time, just to see what leads uh, Paul to saying that, you know, just how, because Paul's talking about his plan. And when he boils it down, he's like, man, how awesome is God? I agree with Paul. So he says the depth of the riches and of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who is known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor, who's first given him and it shall be repaid. He's just talking about how awesome God's mind is and how that has nothing to do with you. God was awesome before you. He'll be awesome after you. He was he was awesome before your generation and he'll be awesome after your generation where the next people come along with their great ideas and platforms and things they stand for and think are important. But look at that thought. He says the depth of the riches, both of both of the wisdom and knowledge of God way wiser than you. And he's been planning this thing before you were even before the world was founded. He was setting this plan in play. He's not going to change his ways based on what the people in 2020 believe. He would be a fool to do so. It's just that simple. So nobody knows the mind of God. And thank God that he has no counselor. He needs no counselor because he's without flaw. He's perfect and incorruptible. Absolutely. 
So his ways aren't based on your pleasure or my pleasure or your understanding or my understanding. It's for me to seek his ways out so I can make myself wise and fall in line with what he wants. Thank God for that. And if you ever consider how people are, you would say, thank God for that, too. I know when we're being selfish, um, we say, oh, man, how come God won't change? Because I like this. I want to do this. God change with me change with the times but if you ever honestly consider how wicked you have been um, in your life and how wicked other people are um, then you have to say man it's just great that God does not change himself based on today's pleasure I mean with that I mean you get a bottom line we're corrupt he's perfect what am I apologizing for honestly make that a bottom line thought process when we think of defending God when we think of saying I'm sorry for God we're corrupt. We've been corrupt since Adam. He's been perfect since before that. I mean, it's amazing you think about it, but it's like if, if anybody, you know, should be ashamed, <laughs> Christ should be ashamed of us before God, but he's not. He's not. But if anybody had the right to be ashamed, it should be Christ, Christ who died for us that we might live these lives that honor God and to look at how we live instead. And he's before God as our mediator saying I paid for him. It's like, man, th th I mean, thank God for Christ, you know, that he, he doesn't, you know, just shake his head in shame saying, man, look what I died for. Now look what he's doing. Oh boy. It's always a thought process. I thought I was weird when I was younger, when somebody dies, a loved one and somebody says, oh, they're looking at me. Well, when? <laughs> right. That was always so weird to me as a kid. I thank God they're not looking at me. Right. That was my thought as a kid. I don't want that person looking at me. How often do they look? You know, do they know when to turn away? I mean, it's a crazy thought process. God sees all Christ sees all. And yet he's not ashamed. I like it. you look at Hebrews. Uh, it's in 11. Chapter 11. And I think it's speaking of God and it speaks of how he's not ashamed. Uh, I think it's verse 16 and it says, God is not ashamed to be called, you know, their God for he has prepared a city for them. I think that's awesome. It speaks about us desiring a better place, a heavenly country. And it's just so great that he's not ashamed. You know, we have a high priest who understands what we go through and thank God for that. Thank God that Christ came as a man because yeah, he did that. And therefore was able to understand what we go through, the weakness of the flesh. So thank God for that. Um, but yeah, if anybody had a right to be ashamed, it would be Christ going before God and saying, yeah, I died for them. Ooh, look at him now. Right after, right after that. There they go. They're doing it again. Right. That foolishness. They're into it again. You know, there they go up, up once again. I, I, I paid for it. I covered it. If anybody had the right to, to be ashamed, it would be him. But thank God he's not. Thank God he's not. Thank, thank God that he will remember our sins no more. He removes them from us because of the sacrifice of Christ. But how foolish is it for Christ to proudly say these are mine. And here we are saying, I'm sorry, but God wants you to live this way. Sorry, sorry, other Christian. But yeah, living that way with that mentality just isn't what God wants. I say it with no apology. This is what God wants of you. Minus the apology. This is what God wants. Let's do it. We owe it to him because of the price Christ paid for us. So with that, I mean, uh, uh, one last thought. As far as the musing goes, what should our response be um, when people attack God's person? OK, so when we're in that position where we feel the need to defend them, right? The time has come. I'm in that conversation with the, uh, somebody who's on the outside or with somebody who claims Christ. I'm in that situation. What? 
what should my response be? Okay. So somebody's attacking God's person. Somebody doesn't like God. Somebody doesn't like Christ. Somebody doesn't like the Bible. I'm in that position. And, and okay, it's my time to defend. What should my response be? Okay. So here's the first thing. Here's the first thing that I think is important. Don't take it personal. Okay. Remember, they're in a dangerous place with that thought process. Don't feel attacked. Don't take it personal. Okay. Do not take it personal. Do not feel the desire to fight them, to attack them. Well, look at what you believe. You're dumb. I mean that, you know, now you're just having a useless conversation. So don't take it personal. We're not told to do that, to fight people over what they believe versus what we believe. No, I don't have to fight. I don't have to take it personal. I don't have to look at it um, as though, you know, this is, yeah, okay, we're going to go there. You're the idiot, not me. Uh, at least I won't be the one in hell or whatever, you know, silly thing you might say. Don't personalize this thing. Don't, don't, don't internalize it. Don't take it personal. All right. This person is in danger of having to face the wrath of God. They're in danger of dying in their sin. Remember that. Don't take it personal. Don't feel the need to fight back. Um, as you know, it says, uh, the Bible says, come, let us reason together. Um, so Testament, God goes on to say, though, your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. But I mean, even that thought process, let, let's reason. Let's talk about this. OK, so don't take it personal. At the same time, don't understand. OK, don't empathize. And what I mean by that is sometimes we understand to the point where we're now making God look wrong because somebody says, oh, I just this. So I'm doing this with a good heart. And we go, yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I know. I see where you're coming from, where now you've just uh, made them feel like what they're doing is right. So, no, don't understand. Um, don't empathize unless you honestly can, but never to the point of trying to make it seem like God is the villain or God is in the wrong. Fight the urge, because I know that's sometimes how we converse. Even when I'm trying to show you something, sometimes I can, you know, just nod the head, you know, to make it seem like I understand. Be careful with that, because you don't want to make somebody or to make it seem like you understand the problem they have with God. Because remember, he's perfect. They're corrupt. They're fallible. They've perverted themselves. They've separated themselves from God through sin. This is what they've done. And from the beginning, we caused our separation with God. This is something we've done. So fight that urge to just to just nod your head to say, I get it. I know how you feel. No, God is awesome. God is perfect. This is the truth. OK, so don't attack. Don't take it personal. But don't don't understand. OK, um, unless, like I said, unless I mean, you have to use discernment, um, if it is time to understand, then maybe you can. But you have to be careful with it. Don't do it against God. So then the next thing, what do I do when I'm in that situation? Focus your argument on the truth of who God is and what you know about why he is the way he is. Because I hope that makes sense. I said it quickly, but this is how you respond. Focus your argument on the truth of who God is. That's the first part. Okay, so don't worry about having to defend him. Stick with this is who God is. Okay, stick with this is who God is. Yeah, but why? Whatever. This is who God is. This is what he wants. So don't don't allow yourself to be taken to a place that you're not comfortable with, that you don't know about. Focus on what you do know. Okay, so so keep your argument on what you do know about why he is the way he is. Look, I don't know perfectly. I have to study more myself. But from what the Bible teaches or what I've learned, God is this way because of that. God is this way because of this, whatever it is. 
Focus your argument on the truth of God, not defending God or yourself. Okay, and I don't want to, I mean, I could write down a bunch of examples, but I mean, no conversation is the same. It could be the same topic and it'll go a hundred different ways with a hundred different people. So whatever it is, keep your argument on the truth of who God is and what he wants. What the whole per what Christ did, reconciliation to him. Okay, keep your face. Somebody wants to attack God, whatever his ways. Look, this is the bottom line. Never allow yourself to get into those situations where people have you on your heels trying to defend. Oh, why would God this? Why would God that? Why did God allow my child to die? Why did God allow those crazy people to do this? Oh, uh, you know, why am I sick? Why? Whatever it is. If you're not comfortable answering that question, which we should be. Maybe that's something we can talk about another time. But if you're not comfortable talking about that, don't keep your argument based on what you do know of the truth of God. OK, what you do know about why he is the way he is. Keep your argument there. I mean, that that would be the easiest way to handle it um, if you're in that situation where you're on your heels and they're bringing up arguments that I, you simply don't know. OK, focus on what you do know about the truth of God what he's done, what he has done for us, why certain things happen, why he allows it, what's the cause. Learn those things if you don't know, but if you don't know at the time where it's going on, speak of what you do know and don't let yourself be bullied into talking about what you don't understand. Say, I don't understand it, but then endeavor to learn it so that you can explain it when the conversation comes up again. Okay. So you think of that, you know, and that conversation is going on. I don't know why this, but I know that God operates in love. I know that God oper operates uh, with the full understanding of everything. I know that God has a perfect plan. That that's what I mean by it. This is what I do know about God. I don't know why he allows that, why this happened. I don't know that, but I do know that he has a perfect plan. I do know that he's without mistake. I do know that he has no error. I do know these things. Okay, so this is, I mean, this is your argument when you're in that position where, okay, this person is attacking God. Um, they're really going, you know, with their every horrible thing they can think of, they're going at it. How do you know we can trust the Bible? What about this? This person, the, all this other stuff, go with what you do know. Why, I mean, this is why we should be able to give an answer to for the hope that's in us. I can't answer that at this moment, you might have to say, but this is what I know of God. This is why I believe, you know, this is what I this is why I know it's worth it to live this way, to do this thing, because this life is temporary. That one's eternal. Who cares? What I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, that's the argument um, that you want to have. Okay, now when you know the answer to their concern, answer it. Okay, e and e this is even when the answer is undesirable. Don't be embarrassed by the truth of God. Okay, this is God. We're the ones who are corrupt. If you don't understand them, it probably has something to do with your corruption 100% of the time. So I shouldn't say probably. If you don't understand God, it has something to do with corruption. And we all suffer from the corruption because we're all human. We're all in the flesh. So this isn't. You know, I'm better than you because I understand God. No, no, no. We all have corruption in the flesh. And it is that corruption more times than not that makes the truth undesirable to us. Because going back to James 4, I have a friendship with the world and I love it. But yeah, when you know the answer to someone's concern, you give them the truth. Whatever, however undesirable the truth may be to them, that's what you tell them. 
you give them the truth, we have the responsibility to do so. As Christ taught, it is truth that has the ability to actually set one free. Okay, so we have no reason to hide the truth of God ever. All we do is keep people enslaved to the corruption and deception that is in the world when we hide the truth from them. That's the thought. I mean, that that was what I was musing about. Why do we feel the need to defend God? I don't think we need to defend God. God is God. God is perfect. God is right. Um, in defense of him, if I ever find myself defending God, let it be from the point of view of this is who God is. This is how awesome he is. This is what he wants. With no apology, with no I'm sorry, uh, with no I wish it were different. But no, this is who God is. Yes, I've struggled with it. You might need to say being human, being in the flesh, but I understand he's perfect. So I overcome those struggles with who God is because I know that he's perfect, because I know that he's thinking the long term while I'm still focused on these, you know, however many years I have on this earth, which none of us are guaranteed one. None of us are guaranteed one year on this earth. So how foolish is it of me to focus all my uh, heart and attention on however long I have when not even tomorrow is guaranteed? The future eternity is something that will not end, that is not a vapor. So in that, that's where my focus ought to be. So in that, I have no apology because whether I understand it or not, God is true. His ways are right. I trust that I know his ways through this for this reason, right? Because the spirit convicts me of it um, because it's shown itself to be true. Okay, whatever it may be, I know this to be true. I know this to be the ways of God. I have no apology for who God is. That should be the thought process. So that's the musing. That's my take on it. Um, do we have a reason to defend God, to say I'm sorry for God? Do we need to say I'm sorry for God? No, never. He's perfect. Defend God with confidence, with truth, with understanding, but never with the need to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry.